In the old King James, what wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? In the new King James, which sounds like you and I would be chatting, what do you want me to do for you? That is the rendition in most other translations of the New Testament as well. I looked up four and they were all the same. What do you want me to do for you? In a very real sense, that is the question that is asked every time we gather like this. What do you want me to do for you? There was a blind man begging, which is not unusual in the Middle East. There are many beggars. And he heard a commotion, a lot of people, and he asked what it meant. And they said, Jesus of Nazareth passes by. He must have heard something about this Nazarene. The word was spreading. And when he heard who it was, he immediately cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I want you to notice how personal is the question Jesus asked him when he faced him. What do you want me to do? You and me. That's what's happening in this worship experience. It's you and me. God and you. God and me. What do you want me to do for you? I had a good illustration of how this works just yesterday. My wife and I have been keeping two of our grandsons for a few days. And all week I have had to get up quite early and get to prayer meetings and various functions, 5.30, quarter to 6. So I've not been home when they have gotten up any morning until yesterday when I decided to sleep in a little bit and let my body catch up with my spirit. I heard the two boys moving around downstairs, so I went to the stairway and I saw this little blonde head kind of appearing just above a stair, and uh, I reached my foot through the railing there and the, the little spokes, you know, that uh, go down the stairway and put my foot on his head. He was a little shocked because he wasn't expecting me to be there because I hadn't been there in the morning all week. And he, when I lifted my foot, looked up with his big brown eyes and a big smile broke out in his face and he darted around the end of the railing and ran up the stairs right into my arms. And we sat down and had a little time on the step. And I said, what do you want me to do for you? You wouldn't believe I cut his fingernails. And his toenails. They needed it. And he was happy for me to do it. And then it occurred to me, what an illustration. He can't do that yet. He can't handle those clippers. It was urgent. I mean, some of them were broken off already and looked jagged and ugly. His parents just don't take care of him. So I could do something that he couldn't do for himself. And it was kind of special, to tell you the truth. I could have done most anything for him, but that seemed to be the need of the moment. Now, isn't it that way with God? There are certain things we can't do for ourselves, which we'll touch on in a few moments. Here was a blind man sitting by the wayside begging, rebuked for disturbing the Lord. 
We have worshipers like that even today who don't want any kind of commotion. They want everything to just be nice and neat and orderly, and let's not get too carried away with this thing. huh? But there are times, folk, that Jesus loves disturbance, especially when it's this kind of disturbance. He overcame, that blind man did, the barriers that were in front of him to hear Jesus say to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, Jesus is alive today just as he was then. Hebrews 13, 8 says he's the same today as he was yesterday. He's just as real as he was then, right now. And he is today saying to you and me, what do you want me to do? That is the necessity present in this meeting, responding to his question, what do you want me to do? In Hebrews 7.25, it says, He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Right now, he is anxious to meet your need, to meet my need, to come to where we are in whatever kind of hurt we may be experiencing. And open our eyes. Grant to us our request. The question is, will we do it? Now, there are three things we're going to walk through in the next few minutes. The first is, some things we are quite incapable of doing for ourselves. We have to recognize that. No matter what the humanists tell us, there are some things we cannot provide for ourselves. Bartimaeus could not provide sight for his blindness. It was totally impossible for him to do that. There was no way that Bartimaeus would ever see he would be a beggar the rest of his life. In the natural. The same is true about us. There are some things, unless God intervenes, that will never happen. One of them is forgiveness of sin. Unless he intervenes, we are lost. We will go to an eternal hell separated from the love of God. Now, you can get all the education in the world. You can get a string of PhDs, but you'll never be saved from sin. You cannot work your way into heaven. You cannot buy your way into heaven. When we talk about the forgiveness of sins, we are talking about only one remedy, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ, God's only Son. You cannot do that for yourself. He did it for you, and he says to you today, what do you want me to do for you? If you will say, honestly, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need salvation, you'll have it. He wants to provide it. You may be here without peace. I meet people all the time who are in constant turmoil. They don't have peace. Their life is one big upset. Now Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. You can't find it out there. You can't find it by getting a different job or moving to a new neighborhood. You won't even find it by going to a different church. 
You will only find it when you hear Jesus say, what do you want me to do for you? And you look up and say, Jesus, my life is constantly in turmoil. I want your peace. You'll get it. Because he said, my peace I give to you. He wants to. Some of you are here trying to overcome daily sin and self. The thing that you don't want to do, you find yourself doing, as Paul said. And Jesus Christ came into this world to give us power to live. You're never going to overcome whatever it is that has beset you by going to classes or listening to tapes. You may get information, but you'll never get release. You can only get release when you look up into the face of the Nazarene who says to you, what do you want me to do for you? And say, Lord Jesus, every day this thing haunts me. I fall on my face. I sin against God. Self rules. I shout at my wife. I shout at my kids. I don't have your touch in my life. Lord Jesus, come to me and give me daily victory. You'll get it. Because he is a specialist in that. Some of you here are facing a crossroads. You need guidance. You don't know which way to go. There are two ways to go, and you don't know which way to go. Jesus wants you to hear him say, what do you want me to do for you? Look up into his face and say, Jesus, I don't want to choose myself. I don't want to go the way that it looks good to me. I want to do it your way. You said you would guide me into all truth. And Lord Jesus, that is my specific request. Guide me. You'll have it. And use Colossians 3.15 as a test. The peace of God will rule in your heart. Or referee, he will call the shots. He will make the choices through peace. You will know by the peace of God. If you don't have peace, don't do anything. Just stand there and say, Lord, I need your guidance. You'll get it in time, in his time. Some of you need comfort and assurance. Loved ones have been taken out of your life. Situations that you were depending upon have crumbled. The bottom has fallen out. Jesus says to you, what do you want me to do for you? Have the good sense to look up into his face and say, Jesus, I need comfort. You said, I will send you another comforter. And the Holy Spirit came, and I asked for his presence, his comfort in my life, his assurance in the situation that I'm going through. If you ask him, you will have it. He will never withhold his gifts from those who come in faith. Now, there are some things you can do for yourself. You can educate yourself. You can improve your lot in life by jobs and by being a good citizen and striving for, for perfection in areas of your life. But there are other areas that you are impossibly hopeless. You cannot do a thing in those areas. And that's why Jesus says, what do you want me to do? That's why we've gathered today to see what he can do in our lives. Years ago, when I lived in the Northwest, a young man set a world's record in the pole vault, which is one of the most difficult events in track and field. His name was Brian Sternberg. Brian would have gone to the Olympics and probably would have won. 
But less than one month after he set a world record in the pole vault, he had a tragic accident that paralyzed him from the neck down. He was in the hospital for weeks. His uncle came to see him and said to him as he looked into his face, Brian, I wish I could take your place for a week. You need some rest. Brian looked up into his uncle's face and said, You couldn't do it, uncle. I know, because I couldn't either if I didn't have to. When being interviewed for a national magazine, he said, I want to know that my life is being used fully for the glory of God. I do not want my faith in God to be just a result of my desire to get well. Having faith is a necessary step toward one of two things. Being healed is one of them. Peace of mind, if healing doesn't come, is the other. Either one will suffice. I met Brian Sternberg. I shook his paralyzed hand. I looked into the eyes of a young man who had his world cave in, naturally speaking, but who had a tight grip on God and who looked up into the face of Christ and said, Lord, this is what I want you to do for me. You can heal me or you can give me grace to see this thing through. Either one will suffice. I'm trusting you. And he still is today in a wheelchair. You see, that's what happens when you give it to him. There are certain things only God can do for you. And Brian found, even in his, in his adversity, that there was enough for him, just as you will. Because God knows there are some things you cannot do for yourself. Now, secondly, we must realize that he is able and willing to do these things for us that we have need of. Notice in the story in Luke 18, Christ was able to open Bartimaeus' eyes. Christ was willing to open his eyes. He offered to open his eyes, and he actually did open his eyes. Now, this is the uniqueness of our Lord. There are soaps that say, I can do anything on the market. Man, I can't believe what they say. They can wash clothes, wash dishes, clean cars up, anything. Marvelous, they say. And bless you ladies. There are things on the market that say, if you just use this, it'll take all the wrinkles away. And I'm lying in bed getting my rest, and my wife's up putting this stuff on, and I say, honey, come to bed. Rest will take the wrinkles away. That's why I don't have any. I'm here resting while you're up obeying what the jar says. You know, you rub this on, you leave it there for a couple minutes, and then you take it off, and oh, magic. Now, I question that. Now, in the first service, I saw several men just rejoicing at that point. They were just hugging their wives and looking into their eyes, smiling. I told you, pastor knows. <laughs> Listen to him. I don't know how long I have spent in bed alone waiting for her to get the wrinkles off. You see, there are some claims that we question. 
but not the claims of Christ. That's the uniqueness of the Lord. He is able and He is willing. Oh, that that might sink into our spirits here today. He is able and willing. Who else can forgive sin? Who else can cleanse from sin's pollution? Who else can give us peace? Who else can lead us into a life of victory? Who else can guide us like He can? Who else can give us comfort like He can? Who else can assure us blessing in this life as well as the life to come? What do you want me to do for you? There is an Old Testament story that is really just exactly what this passage in Luke 18 is saying. It's in the second book of Samuel, chapter 9. If you'd like to open to it, it's a short chapter. But it is a unique and powerful story out of the life of King David. He is now in total control. There is a time of peace in his realm. And one day he awakened to think about Saul's relatives. David succeeded Saul as king. Jonathan, Saul's son, was his dearest friend. And he says in verse 1, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul, notice, to whom I may show the kindness of God? Now that's exactly the heart of Jesus, that he may show us the kindness of God. Jesus is King David in this sense. And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan, notice, who is lame in his feet. Look at the last statement in the chapter, verse 13. And he was lame in both his feet. Here was a fellow who was unable to help himself. Here was a relative of Saul who was in dire straits, who couldn't farm, who couldn't bring in a harvest, in the natural, very helpless. And David sent for Mephibosheth. Verse 7 David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Underline that. In verse 8 he says, it says, Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? What a reaction. Good reaction. Humility. He got down before the king and said, I'm just a dead dog. Why should you show me this kindness? That's my feeling today. I don't deserve his mercies, but he's able and willing. That's what overwhelms me. I can't depend on my feelings. I've got to depend on his offer. That's what we've got to get hold of. Then in verse 10 it says, But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always until he died. Mephibosheth was to sit at David's table and partake of the king's dainties. Look at verse 11. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Hallelujah! 
You feel cut off. You feel far away. God looks at you differently than you feel. You're special to Him. He says, what do you want me to do for you? I have the power. I'm able. I'm willing. The chapter closes. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. What David required of others was to go out and farm the land which belonged now to Mephibosheth. Someone else took care of his responsibilities because he couldn't himself, and he sat at the king's table continually in Jerusalem. Some of you are way off in a far-off country. You haven't found your way out of the wilderness into Jerusalem yet. You're still trying to find your own way. You're still trying to forgive your own sins. You're still trying to find the peace of this world. You're still trying to solve your own problems when the king says, Come on in. Come on in. I want you to sit at my table. I want you to be like one of my own sons. I want you to put your feet, though they may be lame, under my table. I'm the king. I can do anything I want to for you. Are you willing? And Mephibosheth, though he was humbled by it, did come. And that leads us to point three. The meeting of our need depends on our willingness to receive. Simple. No college education needed. The meeting of our need depends on our willingness to receive. A specific faith is needed when we come to this question, what do you want me to do for you? Now herein, in my opinion, is one of the great weaknesses of the church of Jesus Christ. In prayer, we beat around the bush. The Lord is standing there saying, what do you want me to do for you? And we say, oh Lord, just anything. Just anything. Save the world. Bless all my family. What if Bartimaeus, blind as a bat, standing before Jesus, Jesus looking him right in the face, saying, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus would have said, oh, I don't know. Hasn't been a bad day. I've gotten a few coins. Been one of my better days. Wouldn't that have been stupid? When he had the Creator standing in front of him saying, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. He didn't hesitate. Faith was in his heart. Jesus Christ was there making him an offer. And he said that I might receive my sight. And forthwith, he received his sight. Glory to God. In my heart this morning, there is an abundance of faith that if you will reach out to him as this blind man did, you will get the same response. But you've got to be specific. Spell it out. There would be a white ambulance drive up to the curb and two men jump out with a straitjacket if in an airport you stood at the counter saying, please give me a ticket. And the lady would say, to where? 
and you would say, well, you've got a lot of tickets everywhere. They would wrap you up quick and thrust you in the back and take you somewhere. When you walk up to that ticket counter and say, I want a ticket, you say to Seattle or to Boston or to New York. The same thing is true with the Lord. We react to God much like that person trying to buy a ticket. Lord, that I might see again. That's what his greatest need was. Don't beat around the bush about it. If you need forgiveness, ask him. If you need peace, spell it out. If it's a daughter on drugs, tell him. If it's lust in your life, tell him. He's waiting for you to say, this is exactly what I need. Several of us on staff get a thing called parables in the mail. It has a lot of stories in it. I am the one that introduced the rest of the staff to it. Now, once in a while, we tell the same stories, but I just got it this week, so I know no one's had the chance to tell this one yet. <laughs> I liked it. It was a farmer in New Hampshire who went to the vet, and he was trying to explain a problem his horse was having to the veterinarian. And he said to the vet, one day my horse limps, the next day he doesn't. What should I do? The vet's answer was quick. He said, on the day he doesn't limp, sell him. <laughs> I liked it. At least it was specific. You know, he didn't beat around the bush about it. He didn't know any cure, evidently, so he just said, sell him on the day he looks good. That's an answer. God is saying, will you tell me exactly what you need? Lord, that I might see again. It came out that quick. And sight came to him that quick. The biggest problem we have is putting ourselves in the position of receiving what our great God has made provision for. Now, what do you need? Forgiveness? Thy sins be forgiven thee, Matthew 9, 2. Cleansing? I will, be thou clean, Mark 1, 41. Peace? My peace I give unto you, John 14, 27. Victory? John 8, 11. Go and sin no more. Romans 8, 37, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You need guidance? Psalm 32, 8 says, I will guide thee with mine eye. You need comfort? Matthew 14, 27 says, it is I, be not afraid. John 14, 16 says, I will send you another comforter. You need assurance? Isaiah 43, 1 says, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. If you need power, Acts 1.8 says, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Friends, this is not a time to be vague, to be indifferent about our spiritual needs or our material needs. This great God of the universe is waiting for us to come before him. He is absolutely waiting for us to present to him the exact status of our lives. And when we are willing to do that, he is more than willing and certainly able to bestow upon us everything 
that we have need of. Hallelujah. The Bible almost closes with such an invitation. Revelation twenty-two seventeen. Let him who thirsts come, and whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Will you come? Now, in closing, I have a feeling that one of the problems we deal with week by week is what could be called decorum. How do we come? How do we approach a holy God? How do we come into the presence of the king? Decorum, it means propriety of action, speech, or dress. Folk worry about that. Am I doing it right? May I say to you that he is looking at your heart the disciples were disturbed about Bartimaeus' approach. Jesus wasn't. Not at all. It didn't bother Jesus any. If it's of the heart, I guess we could say anything is all right as far as the Lord is concerned. I was taught that early in my ministry in Dayton, Ohio. It was a Wednesday night. I was in charge of the service. A woman came forward, much in need of prayer for healing. I came off the platform, invited some of the brethren to gather around her and pray with me. And with my big booming voice, I heard myself say as I prayed, laying my hands upon her, Lord, touch her from the bottom of her head to the top of her feet. It was too late. It was out of my mouth. I couldn't call it back. It rumbled through that whole building. Everybody heard it. I just kept on praying. You know what happened? The Lord healed her. When we got through, she was well from the bottom of her head to the top of her feet. You see, the Lord isn't so concerned about how we say it. As long as our heart is in it, as long as we are honest and truthful with him, and we're ready to receive what he offers us. Are you ready? Look at the end of the chapter before we close the book. Last verse. After he received his sight, he glorified God. What a result. And all the people, the crowd, when they saw it, gave praise to God. What is the world waiting for? For a bunch of folk like us to walk out of this church with miracles in hand, with a demonstration of the power of God, and when they see it, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to give glory to God. That's what they're waiting for. Now we're here, and in a few moments we're going to go out. What do you want him to do for you? That's the question. Big one. What do you want him to do for you? What do you need? Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't go around the corner. Just come right face to face and say, Jesus, this is it. This is my biggest need. You're able. You're willing. I honestly need this. And I believe you to meet my need. Do you think he will turn you away? Do you think he'll rub your nose in your past? Not on your life. He'll forgive. He'll heal. He'll bless. He'll encourage. He'll grant to you whatever it is. If it's from the heart and it's in faith, immediately he received his sight. He glorified God and all the people praised God. This place wouldn't hold the crowd next week. 
if we would just grab hold of this and let this great, wonderful Savior respond to our need. Did it take all day? No, it just took a few seconds. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, that I might receive my sight. His eyes were open, and they were on their way down the road. They didn't even delay going to dinner. It was done that quick. The roast didn't burn in the oven. They got there on time. Jesus met the need immediately. You don't have to stay here and bang your head on the pew all day. Just come with an open heart. Respond to the message of Luke 18. What do you want me to do for you? This eternal God absolutely opens the door of His treasure house to every one of us, young people, boys and girls, moms and dads, all of us, and says, here it is, what do you need? Hallelujah. Will you be willing to receive? Jesus, I thank you today for this great story in your gospel which can unlock doors for all of us in church today and release us to some of the greatest victories of our lives. Lord, you've laid this word on my heart. I believe it with every ounce of my being. There's not one thing that you will withhold from them that walk uprightly as we come in faith, knowing that we need to pray in the will of God. It will come. It will come. Our sons and our daughters can be whole. Our families can be healed. Our jobs can be right. Our bodies can be well. Hallelujah. Our migraines can be gone. Our arthritis can be healed. Jesus Christ, Son of God, you are saying to us now, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, let everyone look up and say, this is it, Jesus, this is it. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now do it, friend. Do it. Look up to him right now and say, Jesus, this is it. This is my need. If you need forgiveness, say, Jesus, I've sinned. Come on, say it to him. Jesus, I've sinned. I need forgiveness. If your life is filled with turmoil, say, Jesus, I need your peace. Give me your peace. I've been wrapped in knots, Lord. Give me your peace. If you need some special guidance, tell him. Lord, I need your special guidance. I don't know if this is the one I ought to marry. I don't know if this is the job I ought to take. I don't know if this is the house I ought to live in. Lord, I need your guidance. Holy Spirit, guide me. He will. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's stand together reverently. No one leaving just yet, please. Reverence God and my request, please. I want to ask those of you who are here and you need the forgiveness of your sins, I want you to do something. Just get out into the aisle. Come on down here to the front. We're coming to stand in front of our Lord in essence, at this altar and say, Jesus, I need to receive you. I embrace you. I've had a special burden on my heart today for marriages. I just have a feeling there are people here who are broken. 
relationships that are crumbling and you're really hurting, I want you to come forward. I want you to step right down here as Paul Farron begins to lead us in a song. I want you to move toward the place of prayer. I want you to come and let us touch God with you. And I want our staff and counselors to come and minister to these that are now coming. Wherever you are, I want you to come. You need God's forgiveness, come. If you need water baptism, come over by the flag for tonight's baptismal. Pick up the material. Be back for a great testimony of faith. As we sing, would you come from all over this building, please? I need Hallelujah. What do you want me to do for you? Sing it, everybody. Come as we sing. Every I need thee. Hallelujah. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Sing it again. If you need to come, come as we sing it again. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you, Jesus? Hallelujah. 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 In response to the message, sing it one more time. pray for these. God is moving in a very wonderful way. Ask God to minister to your friends that are here before him. As well as your own need, just reach out in prayer to these dear ones that have come. Lord Jesus, manifest your presence right now. Touch every man, every woman, every boy and girl here at this altar, Lord. We extend our hands toward them in a prayer of faith, in a covenant prayer relationship asking Jesus to be Lord over all of their situation. Lord, bring marriages together. I see many here, Lord, who need a healing in their marriage. Provide a miracle, Lord, in the marriages. Some are here with their own individual need and brokenness. 
Lord, bring your healing. Bring your divine touch. Hallelujah. Those that need the forgiveness of sin, may they receive it now. What do you want me to do for you? And now, Lord, as I extend my hands over this congregation, there are some who need a miracle of healing. Some who need deliverance from various maladies and infirmities. I'm asking that a divine spirit of healing will flood this auditorium. That people up in the balcony and coming down from the balcony and all across this main floor will be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. We speak the word of healing for arthritis, for back pain, for slipped discs, for cancer, Lord, and other maladies of the flesh. I pray that the healing touch of Jehovah Rophi will be given to these today. Our God heals. Hallelujah. And we ask for it specifically, Lord. Let people feel the virtue of Jesus Christ right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bring children back home who are wayward, Lord, as a result of this service. Bring them back home. Give answers, Lord, where there seems to have been none before. Give answers by your power. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, how many of you are going to take the word to heart? Well, let's go out to show the world what it's like to be a Christian. Don't look like you were born in crabapple season. Put a smile on your face. Know the peace and joy of God. Come back tonight with an anxiety to hear from God and be a part of what God is doing. Hallelujah. Everybody said, let's give Jesus a thank you today for what he's done, shall we? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.